The Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals presents the timeless teaching of Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse. We today need to know of what stamp these men were who gladly faced the fires and said, It's all right, we're lighting a candle that shall never go out. We become very small when we consider what we are in the face of our opportunities so unwilling to suffer even a sneer from people of the world who are not interested in the word of God, who laugh at it and scorn it. But we must be willing, we must be willing to speak out whenever the word of God is in conflict with the thoughts of men. Over a half a century ago, the late Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse, then pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, saw the need to spread God's word beyond the hearing of his local congregation. He started the radio outreach which has become known as Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible. The application of God's word as taught by Dr. Barnhouse is as relevant today as when he first taught over the radio airwaves decades ago. The message we'll be featuring on today's edition of Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible is entitled Hugh Latimer's Text. As we continue in our series on great text of great men, the Apostle Paul had persecuted the people of God before the Lord changed his heart. Paul later wrote, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Centuries later, an English priest named Hugh Latimer persecuted believers who tried to make the Bible available to the common people. What happened when these powerful words of Paul changed the heart of Hugh Latimer? Let's find out. Today we turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. Here again is Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse with a message entitled, Hugh Latimer's Text. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, we come unto thee, our Father and our God, and in the Holy Spirit. We ask Thee that this day, as we give thanks to Thee for Thy Word, Thine eternal Word and Thy written Word, that Thou shalt make us faithful to Thee and to it. We have it in our hands, and we use it so little. Lord, stir up Thy people to return to the book and to build their lives upon it. As we see Thee in it, may we be transformed. May Jesus Christ become that word made flesh and dwelling among us and that we may likewise be Christ dwelling among men. We ask it in the name and for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today I want to tell you the story of Hugh Latimer, a great man who lived at a crucial time in history. It's the story of a great text from the Bible which changed the whole course of this man's life and the course of history, and it's a story about our Bible. Sometimes it's necessary to go back into history in order to learn the value of things which we take for granted. Today, some take their Bible, throw it on the table, 
pile novels or newspapers upon it and ignore it. But it has not always been so. Let us go back into history and relive a time when our forefathers gave their lives to obtain the freedom to read and to possess this great book. The years which comprised the 16th century were very terrible in Europe. The historian, looking back upon it, called it the end of the Dark Ages. It was the time of the One Hundred Years' War. England had been drained of its manpower, and the troops that came back from France did not want to settle down and work, but roamed the countryside. The cities were filled with beggars who put out their hands toward the passerby in the daytime, and at night ruled and dominated the city in an age of horror. Out of this dark background, the Reformation was born. Luther had risen on the continent. The Word of God had been put into printed form in Latin, in German, in French. In England, however, the authorities would not tolerate the printing of the Bible. So the Bible was printed in English, but over in Germany. Thousands and tens of thousands of copies of the English Bible were shipped into England, smuggled into England. They were brought in in bales of clothes, in piles of leather. The Bible was smuggled into England in every way possible, and it spread out over the land. It was impossible to supply the demand, so great was the desire for God's Word. In many cases where people could borrow a copy, they would copy out a chapter or two chapters or a page and many pages in order that they might have it for themselves. And at the same time, there was a great struggle going on over who should control the church and the tremendous lands which the church owned. The great monasteries were dying out, and their lands were being turned into vast estates. Just as today you and I see scores of great estates broken up and used to build apartment houses or housing developments, so the great monasteries were sold and returned to private hands in England. There was civil warfare in England. Now, one of the principal supporters of the established church position against the Bible was a young priest named Hugh Latimer, who was born about 1485. He was strong for his church, and in every way possible he persecuted those who wanted to read the Bible because his church believed that the Bible was only for the clergy, few of whom possessed it. Latimer was a wonderful character. They said he was one of the broadest and strappingest of men, and the honestest man in England. By sheer force of character, strength, and intelligence, he raised himself from a plowman's cottage to a bishop's palace, almost as great an achievement as that of Thomas Wolsey, the son of a butcher, who, as Cardinal Wolsey, ruled England for twenty-five years, and who gave Latimer license to preach. Now, this was Hugh Latimer, the man who, by sheer force of character, made his way from plowman to bishop. This man persecuted those who circulated the Bible, and hated what he believed to be a great heresy that had come out of the Reformation on the continent. Now, in order to tell the story of how he was converted and the text that was used to lead him to Christ, let us turn to another man who was only five feet tall and who walked a little cockheaded like a sparrow, they said. Very early in the 16th century, England was visited by a man from Holland named Erasmus. 
and one of the greatest scholars of the Renaissance, he was welcomed with open arms by Oxford and Cambridge universities. At Cambridge, he made a profound impression on the short, cock-headed Thomas Bilney, whom Latimer later called Little Bilney. And Bilney was feeling in a vague, indefinite way the emptiness of his religion. His head was filled with Latin and Greek, but in his heart was a great hunger. He listened to the great Erasmus and determined to learn what Erasmus had, something that was hidden from English eyes. And so he vowed to purchase every book that Erasmus had written and to study every line that came from the great master's pen. Erasmus lived in France for a couple of years and in 1516 translated the Bible from Greek into French. When Bilney learned that his idol had translated the New Testament, he determined to get it. Bilney wrote down what the effect was when he, at about 21 years of age, first saw a Bible. Remember, he was a scholar. He was at Cambridge University and had become one of the masters, but he had never seen a Bible. But listen to him as he writes in his diary. My soul was sick, and I longed for peace, but nowhere could I find it. I went to the priests, and they appointed me penances and pilgrimages. Yet by these things my poor sick soul was nothing profited. But at last I heard speak of Jesus, even then when the New Testament was first set forth by Erasmus, being allured rather by the Latin than by the word of God, for at that time I knew not what it meant. I bought the book, and at the first reading, as I well remember, I chanced upon this most sweet and comfortable sentence to my soul. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Now look at this little Cambridge scholar, reading the Bible for the first time. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And he writes, this one sentence, through God's instruction and inward working, did so exhilarate my heart that immediately I felt a marvelous comfort and quietness, insomuch that my bruised bones leaped for joy. But what has this little five-foot-tall Cambridge scholar to do with the broad-shouldered, handsome Hugh Latimer? What has this to do with the man who was the implacable foe of the Bible? Well, Latimer went to Cambridge to preach, and all there fell under the spell of the tremendous eloquence of this very great preacher with his honest and rugged simplicity. And little Bilney, the great scholar, who undoubtedly knew more than Latimer, but who possessed in his heart much more than Latimer also, little Bilney went to hear him preach. And little Bilney fell in love with him. Oh, he thought, if only I could take the gospel to Hugh Latimer. He saw that Latimer's eyes had not been opened to the sublime truth that had flooded his own soul with gladness. But he recognized Latimer's sincerity, his earnestness, and his resistless power. And Bilney longed to be a channel in the illumination of the life of this great man. Bilney wrote in his diary, O oh God, I am but little Bilney, and I shall never do any great thing for thee, but give me the soul of Hugh Latimer, and what wonders he shall do in thy most holy name. 
Now, this is real the life of the Lord Jesus Christ when a man has Christ in his heart so much that he's willing to say, oh God, I'm willing to help somebody else do the work and let him get all the credit for it. Very probably among those who know history, there are many who know the name of Hugh Latimer, but those who know the name of Thomas Bilney are very few. Yet if we go back of the work done by Hugh Latimer, we find that it was little Bilney who got him started. We see Hugh Latimer preaching at Cambridge in 1524, and little Bilney is in the crowd, admiring him, and secretly crying out to God, Bilney with somersaults going on in his own soul, with joy and rapture filling his heart, because he has gotten hold of a Bible and has believed that great word from God. The word of God has gotten hold of him. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. When Latimer descended from the pulpit in Great St. Mary's Church in Cambridge, he passed so close to little Bilney that Bilney caught hold of his robe, and as big Latimer turned around and saw the little scholar standing beside him, Bilney said, Pray thee, Father Latimer, may I confess my soul to thee? The great man beckoned, and into the quiet of the sacristy, the scholar followed him. A few years ago, when I was preaching in Great St. Mary's in Cambridge, I sat in that sacristy six hours a day interviewing Cambridge students who came with problems about their soul. And I can never forget the thoughts of all the men who had been there in that room and how just outside the door on the way into the great cathedral pulpit, little Bilney had caught hold of Latimer's robe and how here in that very room, Latimer had sat down with little Bilney at his knees. The story's on record. As Latimer leans toward the scholar, Bilney falls on his knees and allows his soul, pent up for so long, to speak freely at last. He tells of the aching hunger that had been in his heart. He tells of Erasmus' visit and how he had longed to feed his soul upon something. He tells of buying Erasmus' books and of finding the New Testament. And he says, with tears standing in his eyes, the very word that I wanted, it seemed to be written in letters of light. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Oh, Father Latimer, he cries, and the passion of his fervor increases as the memory of his own experience rushes back upon him. I went to the priests and they pointed me to the broken cisterns that held no water and only mocked my thirst. I bore the load of my sins until my soul was crushed beneath the burden. And then I saw that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And now, Father Latimer, being justified by faith, I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Latimer, the great man, listening to this confession, was completely overwhelmed. He too knew the aching dissatisfaction that Bilney had described. He had experienced for years this same insatiable hunger, this devouring thirst. In his heart there was also the empty space that was shaped like God. To the astonishment of Bilney, Hugh Latimer rose to his feet and then knelt beside him. The confessor sought guidance from his penitent.
Bilney took the New Testament from his pocket, opened it, and showed Latimer that great declaration, This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. From that hour, Latimer and Bilney lived with the one aim of unfolding to all kinds and conditions of men the unsearchable riches of Christ. I know some who say that England became what it is because Henry VIII wanted successive divorces. Oh, his may be a part of the historical tale, but Henry VIII is a trifling part. In every great movement there are little creatures who make noise, and Henry VIII was one of these noisy men. But he had no part in the spiritual movement that made the church in England what it became. Nevertheless, in spite of little men, and because of his word, God still works his will in men's hearts. And we see his power working through little Bilney's confession as he says, O oh, Father Latimer, I had such a hunger and I had such a thirst, and then I found the word of God, and I opened it and read, This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Latimer went back to London a transformed man, and his preaching began to transform the life of the people. In the England of Henry VIII, the soul of this honest man was greatly tested. His straightforwardness found favor with the church authorities, and he was made a bishop. Later, unable to conform his conscience with the political atmosphere, he resigned and was imprisoned until Edward VI began his short reign. During the days of young Edward, Latimer preached with great boldness, and many came to know the love of Christ Jesus, who came into the world to save sinners. But those were fickle days. And when Mary became queen in 1553, this evil woman, Latimer was again imprisoned because she was an adherent of what they called the old religion. Latimer was sentenced to die at the stake along with Nicholas Ridley, another great preacher of the new religion, which was, of course, the oldest, and went back to the very fountain of the word of God. At the place of execution in Oxford, Bishop Latimer fervently recommended his soul to God and said to Bishop Ridley, Be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. And then the executioners lighted the faggots, and both men died in the flames. Today we have the Bible because of England. The British and the Foreign Bible Society and its younger daughter, the American Bible Society, have put the Bible into a thousand languages and have distributed millions of copies over the world. This indeed was the light that was lighted in England and that has never yet gone out. This is the light that we have. We today need to know of what stamp these men were who gladly faced the fires and said, It's all right, we're lighting a candle that shall never go out. We become very small when we consider what we are in the face of our opportunities, so unwilling to suffer even a sneer from people of the world who are not interested in the word of God, who laugh at it and scorn it. But we must be willing, we must be willing to speak out whenever the word of God is in conflict with the thoughts of men. 
Recently, I heard a story that illustrates this. A young girl in her early twenties was a senior in university and came before the faculty for her oral examinations. And from time to time, she spoke confidently of her faith in Christ, and one of the professors sneered and said, But Miss So-and-so, don't you know that Christianity is a minority religion? And there before the faculty, she said, You mean nationally or in this room? And the other professors burst out laughing because they knew the sneers of this man. The girl risked having a bad mark, but she was ready to face for the Lord Jesus Christ that which is necessary. It's the word of God for which we must be willing to die as its principles are formed in us. For this book does transform the lives of men. What could change little Bilney but Erasmus' New Testament? Oh, Master Latimer, my soul was hungry and I was filled with thirst, and then I saw that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, and my heart was overflowed with joy. The power of God in that confessional scene transforms the life of a great man. In one moment the die is cast, his face is set like a flint, and thus he steps on his way to be faithful in London, to be faithful before the king to be faithful before Parliament, to be faithful before the new queen who hates him, and to go to Oxford and die. The candle is lighted. Let us not forget that we possess this candle. It may be that someone listening to this broadcast is hungering and thirsting after righteousness. It may be that someone who has a vague knowledge of uh, religion, but no knowledge of Christ, to you all I say, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. If you will put yourself into this scene, you will realize that Christ was not a failure. He succeeded in what he came to do, and that success has been deposited for you with God. You can turn to God right now and say, Lord, if Jesus came to save sinners, then he came to save me, for I am a sinner. And suddenly, your burden will be gone. It is no wonder that we sing, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. Little Bilney knew that his burden of sin had rolled away. Hugh Latimer knew that his burden had rolled away. And so will everyone who believes this great truth, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Christ Jesus came into the world to save you. And he demands of you that you repent, believe, and receive him as your personal Savior. For as God tells us through the Apostle Peter, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And our God and Father, we pray thee to bless the going forth of this great and simple story about this wonderful verse and the truth of its transforming power in the lives of men. We ask it in the name and for the sake of our Lord Jesus. Amen. O oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power through 
By God's grace, Hugh Latimer's life and witness lit a candle in England that could not be put out. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Have you trusted in Him as your Lord and Savior? You can listen to an audio copy of today's message and additional Bible teaching by the late Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse by visiting us online at AllianceNet.org. Log on to this week's message entitled Hugh Latimer's Text. An audio copy of today's teaching is also available by calling us toll-free, 1-800-488-1888. Today's message again is entitled, Hugh Latimer's Text, or simply request message number Q75. We would also like to make available to you a free copy of our booklet entitled, Tragedy or Triumph. Our lives are often shaken by devastating tragedy, and yet we can look back later and see how God brought forth glorious triumph from tragic circumstances for our benefit and His glory. This free booklet contains six favorite sermons by Dr. Barnhouse, including Tragedy or Triumph, Who Died at Calvary, Oil and Wine, Salted with Fire, The Scales of God, and Falling into Grace. These messages will encourage, challenge, and uplift you. Ask for your free copy of Tragedy or Triumph when you call or write. Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible is a radio ministry of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals headquartered in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We exist to promote a biblical understanding and worldview. Drawing upon the insight and wisdom of Reformation theologians from decades and even centuries gone by, we seek to provide contemporary Christian teaching materials which will equip believers to understand and meet the challenges and opportunities of our time and place. Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible comes to you through the generous gifts of our listeners. If you have benefited from the broadcast and would like it to continue, please prayerfully consider a donation to help us keep this ministry on the air. For more information or to make a contribution to support and further our work, please contact us by writing Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, Box 2000, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 19103. Call toll-free 1-800-488-1888 or visit us online at AllianceNet.org. Be sure to ask for a free updated resource catalog featuring books, audio teachings, commentaries, booklets, daily devotionals, videos, and a wealth of other materials from outstanding Reformed teachers and theologians including Donald Gray Barnhouse, James Montgomery Boyce, and Martin Lloyd-Jones. Then join us again next time for more classic teaching on Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible.